have had an addictive personality most of my life, and I have been obsessed with many, many things, including Jay. And lots of people have looked down on me for it and called me names for it, but that's okay. So today, we're going to talk about obsession and addiction and how they are actually good things. And stay till the end to find out how you can navigate your own obsessions and addictions. So let's get started and talk to my obsession, Jay. Okay, so Jay, can you please explain the difference between obsession and addiction? Yes, I can, Cynthia. I'm just kidding. I think if you Google it, it will say addiction is an overattachment to pleasure and obsession is an overattachment to fear, like fear of not accomplishing something or not getting something. Okay. But to me, they're the same thing. They're a hyper-focus on a particular subject. Fair enough. So a better question might be, what is the difference between those two things and adaptation? It's a great question. Yeah. What's adaptation? That's when we, when we adapt. Sure. But when we adapt, what happens to our bodies and ourselves and our hormones and our mindset and so on? I was just kidding, but yeah, like adaptation is when our bodies and our system gets used to something. Right. And when we adapt, what happens to the thing that we adapt to? Well, it becomes a a common part of ourselves, of our life, our routine. Yeah. So the first time you play guitar, what happens to your fingers, the pads of your fingers? Oh, oh, well, they bleed and, and hurt and get raw, become raw. Yeah. It can be pretty painful because our bodies are not adapted to it yeah so someone who's never played guitar before might not have the easiest time playing guitar and they might not be inclined to play guitar but then they try it and they hurt their fingers but the second time they go to play guitar they know what they're getting into their fingers have healed and now what happens it hurts a little less it hurts a little less and they can play a little a little better and longer and longer yeah right and so now the thing you did initially is easier and you're better at it You are already physically, mentally, emotionally, and chemically more adapted to it. Yeah, fair enough. So now it's easier. Yeah. Right. And so now when someone says, hey, let's play guitar, on the third time, you're like, yeah, super easy. And a month from now or a year from now, how is the topic of guitar for you? Oh, well, it's easy. You build up the callus so it doesn't hurt and you don't bleed and, and practice kit. Right. You've adapted to playing guitar. Right. And so something that was unfamiliar and difficult to do a year later is now easy to do. And not only that, I would bet you would miss it or feel a bit weird if you didn't play guitar suddenly that year later. Yeah. Your system is ready for it. Your hands are like used to it. Your body's probably jonesing for it. Man, I really could get in the studio today or whatever. Your calluses are there. Yada, yada, yada. You have adapted to playing guitar by hyper-focusing on it for a long period of time. Yeah. Like our neighbor spends most of his time at his girlfriend's house, but comes home just to play guitar because he can't play at her house because he's so obsessed with playing. Sure. That's why they don't move in together. I don't know about all that, like the personal details of his relationship, but I know that people in general adapt to their hobbies and get addicted or obsessed with their hobbies and are eager to get back to them and they will miss them when they're gone. Yes. But 
before they ever picked up those hobbies, that wasn't the case. There was no withdrawal pains or some feeling of missing them back when they were 11 and not doing it. Right. So what is the difference between adaptation and addiction or obsession? It's a great question. So addiction, obsession, these are when we become attached to something and our bodies, our minds, our, our life has adapted to having them around or even uh, reading about them. Or So I started this episode talking about how I was obsessed with you. And we spoke every day, texting, on the phone, when we lived separate. And like my life adapted to checking my phone and talking to you on the in the text and updating you on the like silly little details of my life. And so I guess what you're saying is adaptation and addiction and obsession. These are just labels for all the same thing. Yeah. I'm saying addiction is just a label for an excessive amount of adaptation or a high amount of adaptation. Because before you met me, would you feel withdrawal when I was gone? No. Right. You only feel that after you've adapted for a, a significant period of time. Do you feel withdrawal from your first hit of nicotine or coke or heroin? No, no. That that happens as you develop a routine for it. Yeah, there might be one or two humans on Earth who feel withdrawal after their first hit of something. And even then, you can usually trace that back to prior adaptations to other stimulus. But whatever. Generally, this is how it goes. Right. You're not going to feel withdrawal or jones for something or fear missing something if you haven't adapted to it significantly. And this happens with everything. For example, the last few years were pretty crazy. But if we were to have an apocalypse this year, 2024. But you mean a continuation of what, 2022, 2020, etc. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And every human ended up having to live underground away from the light. What would happen as we spent more and more time like as when we first went underground we would not be adapted to it and people would miss the light because they're adapted to the light they are used to and familiar to the light they would start to feel symptoms some people would get depressed without the light and all these kind of different things but after a year living in the dark or two years or three years or ten years what happens oh we would adapt right we used to be adapted to the light right and our systems and our bodies and ourselves and the chemicals and everything were eager for that and ready for that and inclined to that and adapted to that. But 10 years later, post-apocalypse, living underground, we are now eager for the dark, adapted to the dark, used to the dark. We would miss the dark. All those people, if you suddenly brought them back into the light, would show symptoms of withdrawal. They would get antsy in the light and they would flee back to the dark and they would miss it and they would be like, what I can't get by without this, man. I need the dark in my life. Yada, 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 yada. Yeah. Their eyes and their retinas and their people and all their receptors would be used to it. Yes. But these are the same people who a decade before were fine with the light. Right. They used to be addicted to the light. Now they are addicted to the dark. They will feel withdrawal symptoms from the light or withdrawal symptoms from the dark. How is that not addiction or obsession? Fair play. I think it's Tom Bilyeu that says that human beings are adaptation machines. We can adapt to anything. Right. And when we first met, one of the things you said to me was, your body adapted to the years of drug use, mm -hmm. but your body can also adapt to not drug use. Yeah. 
And that line actually helps me when I was going through withdrawal of the painkillers that I didn't tell you about till after. And I remember laying on the living room floor, reminding myself over and over and over again, I adapted to this. I can adapt to without. I can adapt to without it. I can do this. I can do this for three days. Yep. And that wasn't even a 10-year adaptation period. It was yeah. three days. Yeah. yeah. So, and I've adapted since in those five, in these five years without any sort of pain relief, or opioid pain relief. Sure. And you did the same thing with candy. Obsessed with candy, addicted to candy, and now you've adapted to smoothies and salads and whatever else. Mm -hmm. Like, I was addicted to shelter and comfort and so on, and then I spent two years homeless, and it felt weird to be indoors. Like, it felt weird to uh, be part of society. Like, I had adapted to a different kind of living. Right. Yeah. Makes sense. And it's why I, I don't really fear it anymore. Like, I know I can adapt back to that, or I can readapt another way. So, once you understand that our bodies and minds are super talented at adapting to anything and if people ever put us in a weird situation like put you on a desert island or put you underground or put you only able to live on one food item or something there was only rice for miles your body would adapt and you would get enough nutrition like the whole civilization would adapt to just living on whatever and obsession and addiction are just side effects of that beautiful miracle like they're what happened when you hyper focus on something for a long period of time keep indulging in it and focusing on it until your body adapts to it and is so adapted to it that it's eagerly looking forward to it all the time. And if you take it away suddenly, your body will miss it because that's how adaptation works. You get so far adapted to something, when it's taken away, you miss it. But if you persist through that, if you get over the withdrawal symptoms and you push through it and you readapt and reverse it, then you're adapted to the opposite. We're all adapted to light and we'll miss it like crazy. But if a apocalypse happens and 10 years underground, we all adapt to the dark and then we'll miss that like crazy. It's just how it works. And people will swear it was addiction. We were addicted, man, to the light. If we if we left the light, we couldn't handle it. Or we were obsessed with the dark, man. We're just obsessed. Someone tried to put us back into the light. Couldn't have it. We had to go back underground. I, I was feeling like physical pain. Man. Yeah. yeah and I'm like, yeah, of course you are. Of course you are. This is how it works. But haven't human beings been beating addiction and obsession since the dawn of time? Since caveman times? Yes. Right. Because we've been adapting since caveman times. And you can always adapt to one thing and then readapt to another or it's opposite. It just takes effort. And sure. it's not always pleasant. It's not. I've On Valentine's Day, I will be celebrating 17 years of clean and sober living and... Uh, from hard drugs and the beginning it was a nightmare it was hard it felt bad but now i can't even imagine living that life now i have adapted to a clean and sober life i've adapted to healthy living healthy eating being a healthy person mind body and soul i cannot like the fact that that was even me it just blows my mind and i i think maybe i'm wrong but these three labels, the obsession, adaptation, and addiction, are used for, for different, like what people perceive as good or bad. So addiction is usually given to something like heroin or drugs or food or gambling. Uh, obsession more over like hobbies or people, shows, Netflix, whatever. And adaptation is something I rarely ever, this word I rarely ever hear people use. 
But when they do, it's generally, like like I said, Tom Bilyeu, it's generally a good thing. Like towards the, I've adapted my lifestyle from being eating unhealthy junk food to eating healthy nature, not to eating healthy uh, whole foods. Yeah, you're right. But it doesn't really matter to me because that's kind of like a group of children arguing over what color something is. That's red. That's orange. That's a red orange. That's a burnt umber. That's an okra. Like whatever color you label you want to put on it. I don't care, man. Like it's not relevant. Like is it addiction? Is it obsession? Is it adaptation? It's all adaptation, dude. Like all you need to know is it's not black and white. Like it's color. Like is your television black and white or is it color? It's color. I don't need to know what specific shade of red that is to like navigate life. Same with this. I don't need to know if it's addiction, is it obsession. It's adaptation and you can navigate adaptation any way you want. Like everyone is always navigating adaptation and has since caveman times. That's all that matters. Have you adapted to some weird way of living like dependent on drugs or dependent on candy or dependent on work or dependent on whatever, dependent on your crush? That's on you. You have adapted to that. You didn't start like that as a baby. You adapted to that. Right. And even if you did start like that as a baby, it was probably from your parents or the womb or a generation before. And it was still a previous adaptation that you get to overcome. Like, that's it. I've been addicted to things before and I've unaddicted myself. You've been addicted to things before and you've unaddicted yourself. How? By adapting the same way you've done anything in life. So I know it pisses off the victims who like want to hang on to their label. Yes. I'm an addict. I'm obsessed. Like, I'm sorry. You just adapted the way all humans adapt and you can unadapt or adapt to the opposite anytime. Takes effort though. Yeah. And you have to You have to drop your labels. Yeah. You have to admit that you have been obsessed or addicted or adapting to something negative. And now it's time to stop and switch that and adapt or obsessed or addict yourself to something healthier and better and good for you. And and that feels hard sometimes and it's easier to cling to the label of I'm an addict you don't know I'm an addict so was I I was an addict too for many years and then I became an obsessed freak for a few years too and I I told you that wasn't healthy either yeah no you did you gotta be your own person not be obsessed with me yeah Yeah. and then I learned to be my own person live with you uh, and still I adapted to being me with you apart and together and and this was a much better balance and it felt way better and then I could work on on my own things without constantly worrying or thinking about you and what you needed and wanted and like an obsessed freak because I had adapted to that it was good you were awesome I know nobody else is talking about this I know people are saying you know just you know addiction it's a lifelong disease and your addiction is always dormant even when you're not using but this annoys me it really annoys me because I know the truth I was addicted to a lot of things besides drugs that that aren't typically seen as addictive with my mental health even clinging to the labels of of being anxious and depressed and bipolar disorder. And and once I learned to adapt my life to being healthier and thinking healthier and feeling good about myself, that stuff went away. I adapted to a healthy lifestyle. And if, if a heroin addict who, if an IV drug user, which that is like the top of the top of addictions right there, if I can get my life together and 
adapt to a healthy lifestyle than anyone can. Yeah. A lot of experts will claim they know what addiction is and claim they know what obsession is and claim that they can help you beat them or that you'll be stuck with them forever or whatever they claim. But if they're not talking about adaptation since caveman times of how everyone adapts to everything and using examples like I talked about, like the guitar player who adapts to the calluses or adapting to living underground and uh, your eyesight changing and stuff and how we can all experience withdrawal symptoms from just about anything that we've adapted to, then they're getting it wrong. Like they're steering people wrong. Yes. So uh, I hope it doesn't offend anybody, but if that's as far as you get as an expert, if you only understand basic addiction, then you know, you got some work to do. Yeah, exactly. And I highly recommend that if you are following people who are trying and you're trying to find guidance on becoming unaddicted or unobsessed or adapting to a better lifestyle, if the person that you're learning from or reading from or whatever, if they're not talking about adapting to a healthier lifestyle and letting go of these labels, you may be following the wrong person because this makes complete sense. That other stuff, I'm sick forever. This is not actually true. You can choose to be sick forever or you can choose to be healthy and adapt to that healthy lifestyle. You make the choice. Yay. Okay, so we talked about how we can adapt, but still I touched on it in the last question. People see obsession as kind of a good thing, right? How can how is it possible for somebody who is in the throes of heroin addiction and desperate to to get out of it or or alcoholism or whatever, something that is seriously damaging like drugs and alcohol? How can they see this as good? Okay, well first, let's just look at some other addictions. So, if you go study obese people, a lot of them put their overeating or poor diets or whatever they're dealing with behind them and they adapt to a new lifestyle of working out and after they get the hang of that they become huge fans of it they're like lovers of working out and a little further than that they become fitness influencers like ethan supley and so now they've adapted so much to eating healthy and lifting and working out and being mobile and exercising they're basically addicted to it Do you know what happens to those people if you try to make them sit still or not work out or eat junk or trash? Yeah, they can't. They freak out. Yeah. They have withdrawal symptoms. Yeah. They're like, I need to work out. Let me out of this house. I need to get to a gym. I'll do chin-ups in my room if I have to. I can't have this. Yeah. And if I can't get good food, then I'll go pick berries off the side of the road, like a highway or whatever. Like They are so adapted to living well and they're so far from their previous less than healthy lifestyle that they are basically addicted to it they're playing yeah so would you say that's good or bad that's a good question i would say it's a it's a good thing what would they say they think it was a great thing yeah they would say you want me to go back yeah adapt to the old way yeah go no you I love my addiction and it keeps me on track. And I, I know that if I go on vacation or if someone tries to like F with my schedule or my exercise regimen, I'll find a way. The same way a heroin addict always finds their heroin, I will always find a way to work out and stay healthy and eat well. They're addicted to it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. They would swear it's good. They would. And they would probably call it an obsession. Yes. But it's the same thing. They were addicted to eating poorly and not exercising and living sedentary they adapted and now they're addicted to the opposite and they get withdrawal symptoms either way 
true. This is true. They get like antsy either way if you take away their thing. Yeah, my biological father lost 100 pounds and he's obsessed with fitness. He's like 82 or 83 and the man has to work out almost every day. Yeah, and I bet he would physically fight people if yes. he tried to stop them. Yeah. That's, that's drug addict behavior, no? That's addict behavior. That is addict behavior, yeah. Because he adapted to something new and he's addicted to something new. It's something that's more beneficial for him, something healthier for him. Right. Okay, but in the throes of addiction, it doesn't feel good. When an addict is like... I know, they're manic and they're rock bottom. This does not feel good. Sure, but if someone overdoses on working out and exercise, do you think that feels good? Do you know what happens to someone who overdoses on exercise? I mean, can you? Yeah, you get injured, your tendons snap, oh, you get okay. paralyzed. You, Fair play. And it's think like of you that, get burnt out. I didn't think of that as an overdose. But it is but an overdose. It is. It's just a healthy overdose. People it's, around, yeah, it's people a, around are like, dude, you're. I think you're exercising too much. You kind of want to have an intervention. Like maybe you should stop. No, man, no. I just got to go. And then they end up hurt and injured. That's happened to me. Remember, I couldn't even walk up the stairs when I was started working out again, and and, and when I had my side gig and I was doing all this physical stuff and I couldn't move. Sure, whether it's drugs or exercise, you can still hit it too hard and you can still overdose. Yeah, you can be addicted true. and you can also overdose. Fair play. Yeah, yeah. Okay. How is any of this different from from standard addiction? Well, the the like what you're saying, it, it's not. There's no I'm difference for all intents and purposes. It's identical. Right. And people will say, "Oh, it's different chemically, man. It's the enzymes and whatever, and receptors and the neuroreceptors." No, your neural pathways change and adapt to any situation. That's what they do. That's what they're made for. They, your hormones and body chemistry will change to help you exercise more. That's why you get the jitters when you're not exercising. You're now addicted to exercise. Period. When you're not helping people, that happens to you. Yeah. Like you, when it's been a, like a day or two, you're yeah. like, well, yeah, I've seen you. Yeah. Uh, but this makes so much sense with why when I find something that I love, I'll use you as my example, that I become obsessed and addicted to the thing because I have this personality. I don't know what you want to call it. I said that in, the, in my intro. Like, But everybody has. This. Yeah. Yeah. We do. Like, try and change someone's diet, and they'll go ballistic because yeah. they're addicted to the things they normally eat. But if you put that same person on a desert island where there's only coconuts around, they'll get over their withdrawal, they'll adapt to the coconuts, and they'll be just fine. Yeah, it's true. So do you really need your current diet? You need it? Because if I throw you on the desert island, you get in a plane, it's an emergency, you got to crash land, coconuts, you will adapt, you will adapt, you will adapt. And all of a sudden, you're off your old diet. Sure, all the guys on Lost, they adapted. Yeah, and then, 10 years later, when they're used to the coconuts, and you go take them back to civilization, and you try to give them a normal diet, they'll feel withdrawal symptoms, and they'll desperately seek coconut. Can I get some coconut milk? Can I get some coconut juice? Can I get some coconut curry? Please, like, I just, I need coconut. Sure. And sure. they'll have the same chemical things going on. This part isn't a joke, but when Castaway, when he leaves the island, he is so lonely and feels weird because he's missing his his Wilson that he goes and buys a Wilson. Like, and I didn't understand that part of the movie. I was like, oh, he's sad. He but no, it was he adapted to his life with a volleyball and that was who he, what he spent his time with. Yeah. And so afterwards, when he was back to civilization, that's why he sought it out. 
Right. But he has a choice, like every human being has a choice. Fill your addiction and get rid of the withdrawal symptoms by getting the substance or the thing or whatever. Or push through the withdrawal symptoms, overcome it, free yourself from that addiction, and adapt to a new way of life. Right. He could push through the Wilson Joneses. Yeah. And, and, and make a real friend. Yeah, he could adapt. Yes, he could. And if you put him in a village that had no Wilsons, he might just do exactly that. Yeah. So this is the thing, right? People often say, I can't, I can't, I can't do this, I can't do that, I can't let go. I'm like, it's such a victim mentality. I can't, really? You're a powerful human being. I think you can. And when they're saying I can't, do they ever ask themselves, what would I do if I crash landed on a plane today? What would I do? Would I just throw in the towel while I don't have my drugs, just give up? Or would they survive and adapt? You see the stories all the time. They survive and adapt. Yeah, you have to. Yeah. I mean, there's only two choices. I say you have to, but there's only two choices. You adapt or you die. Yeah, this is it. Exactly. And the ones who die, like, don't make an impact. Like, it doesn't it doesn't matter. Like, okay, you gave into your addiction or your withdrawal symptoms or you couldn't hack it and you chose death. Like, okay, how is this helpful for anyone? I mean... That's a choice we all have every day, just at breakfast. Yeah. All right. That's good. So your question was, can addictions be good? Well, after what I've said here, can they be good? So now I'm not saying addiction to alcohol is good. This is what I was going to say. But it's individual for everybody. Aren't there some rock stars who are functional alcoholics who perform better and create a better life for them and the people around them on the sauce? Yeah. They exist. Yeah. Some people... Some humans exist and have adapted to alcohol so well that it's just part of their life and it doesn't it doesn't really affect or injure anybody. I would argue that it, it injures the people closest to them. No, they always try to say that, but those are the people who haven't adapted to alcohol. The ones who have adapted, you can't even pick them out of a crowd. Like they're out there right now. Have you heard of the Guinness record holders who eat metal and glass? Yes. Okay. Normally, metal and glass would be terrible, bad, toxic substances that should lower their quality of life and hurt the people around them. Right. But they have adapted to this and they live on it and they would miss it if it was gone. And so they function on this substance. They have adapted to the substance. They are now addicted to the substance and it's not harming anyone. In fact, it probably helps people because whenever there's like extra metal laying around, like there's a place for it to go instead of the dump. It becomes nourishment for somebody. Right. Yeah. There are people out there that can be functioning addicts and function in society and do extremely well. Uh, look at Wolf of Wall Street. He was an extreme addict and was stealing money from people and lowest of the low at the time and doing fairly well. He was super successful and everybody seemed surprised except those the closest to him because they were doing it with him. So yeah, it is possible. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's the best example. I was trying to find an example of someone who adapted to these, these substances so well that they still remained a good person. Because the narrative people have is that if you adapt to a certain substance, if that's a bad substance that is evil, then you are bad and you are evil. Fair but this fair. is not how it works. Metal and glass aren't consumable by 99.9999% of the population, but there's a 0.001% of the population that has somehow managed to do it. And they're wonderful people and they're not hurting anybody and they're just going about their life. And that's okay. 99.999% of people do not adapt to hard drugs or whatever very well. No. And they just end up hurting people around them. Yes, they do. But 
there might be some village somewhere, some village shaman on some substance who's literally just fine with it. He's the best shaman in the village. He lives on this stuff and he doesn't hurt anybody. He's just a blessing in people's lives. It can happen. Anything is possible. Yeah, especially because humans adapt to everything. Sure. Yeah. Do I think any one of our viewers could pull this off? Seems unlikely. They're not the village shaman with tons of practice at this stuff. Sure, I I couldn't pull it. I mean, most people who are functioning addicts maybe aren't quite reaching that. I know. So, like, none of them are. <laughs> yes, and they're not likely to. Right. But if you understand adaptation, all of this confusion goes away. You get it. You're like the shaman, healthily adapted to this substance and has made it part of himself. His body chemistry is fine with it. His mindset is fine with it. His emotions are fine with it. He's completely at peace with it. He's not trying to hide it. He's not abusing it. He's not abusing anybody else with it. It's literally just part of his diet. He's like a like an insect or something that lives on a certain Turn. tree or plant or whatever. Yeah, whatever. And you also know the difference when you see someone pretending to be the shaman and hiding it and like, I'm a functioning alcoholic and whatever. Yeah. It's like, yeah, okay, dude, you're not that. You're not him. You're yeah. not him. You're not that shaman. Once you understand adaptation, you can see the two different kinds of addiction, the healthy addiction that panned out great and the unhealthy addiction that's killing you slowly and hurting everyone around you. Well, this makes sense why the Wolf of Wall Street example doesn't work because while he was in the, the, the midst of his addiction, good things were not happening. Even though he was making money. Yeah, dude made money. He was still toxic to everyone around him. He was damaging his wife and, and children himself. and himself and the people around him. I'm saying so. he's not the super healthy village right. shaman. All right, fair play. But the Wolf of Wall Street and the village shaman both have the potential to adapt to that substance and make it part of their diet. It's just one of them failed miserably at it and the other one did it great. Right. And because he did it so great, you're never even going to hear about him. He's just off living a normal life. Just It just happens. He just happens to be on drugs all the time. Like it's not even a thing. Yeah. We just hear about the ones that hit rock bottom. Right. That's who you'll hear about. Yeah. So, and, and that's fair play. So if I was still using heavily, like back then, and I was Basil's level of successful, no one would be talking about my addiction. Not really. They would just kind of like sweep it under the rug. Yeah. Or like not even Bezos. If you were just a village elder woman, like a, a village wise mother or whatever, and you just happened to take a lot of a certain substance as part of your diet and the whole village is fine with it. You haven't hurt a soul. You're pure. You're spiritual. You're helping it. You're living a good life. You're not attached to money. You're not chasing anything. You're just you're just an awesome human. That's it. You have a great family. You leave a legacy. And there's a footnote on your tombstone, by the way, lived on shrooms. Like, yeah, that's it. Enough. You will never hear about this person. Okay. But that's the thing. That's the potential of all adaptations, right? You can make an adaptation that serves you and your community, or you can make an adaptation that doesn't serve you. The problem comes when you start trying to call some bad and some good. Eating metal is bad. So that Guinness record holder is evil and we should just keep everyone away from him and try to cure him and whatever. Mm -hmm. Oh, shrooms are bad. So that village shaman who is blessing everyone and just happens to have this as part of his diet or his routine is evil. We should blame him and hate him and try to cure him and fix him. He's broken. Now, if there are unhealthy adaptations that are hurting everyone around them, maybe it's a different story. Oh, that dude is addicted to alcohol and abusing everyone. I think maybe we should try and nudge him away from this. But calling any of them evil or any substance good or bad is like murky waters, man. Because there's always someone on earth who's, who's 
proving that it's not. I would think that the majority of, uh, of former addicts are like me with long clean times can look back and, and say with gen- like genuine emotion that that part of their life was a good thing. For me, I'm super grateful. I wouldn't change one single thing about any of that because it made me who I am today. So that's how I see it as a good. But your explanation takes it to the next level of what it can be, what it can be good for. There's people all over the place now using ayahuasca and peyote. And uh, even we're friends with somebody who's super like kind of conservative. I would never imagine when she told us she was tripping out. I was like, what? But she's doing it for good. Like this is it's so it can be used or seen as good. Now, that is not a reason to say, oh, I'm snorting lines every weekend and like not taking care of my family and I'm a loser because Jay said it was good. Like, this is not- well, my whole point is that you shouldn't be saying any of it's good <laughs> or bad. Yeah. It's an adaptation you can make and you can either make that adaptation well or make it poorly. Yeah. The shaman makes it well. The Wolf of Wall Street makes it poorly. Yeah. you got to find out what it is for you. Like you're a valuable person and you're on earth to live your best life. And you need to find out for you, are you more of a village shaman kind of person who can totally adapt to these shrooms or these peyote or whatever? Or are you more of a Wolf of Wall Street person and this addiction is killing you? Like everyone's responsible for their own individual life and choices. I'm just clarifying how adaptation works, right? This is like biology. This is a universal truth. Humans adapt. They are adaptation machines. Is it my fault that you can adapt to certain substances or you can't or some people do it well and some people do it poorly? No. That's on them, man. Like, I can I can say the sky is blue. That doesn't mean you have to go jump off the building and try and fly in it, right? Like, I'm just stating <laughs> a fact. Like, yes. this is how things work. Right. So, and your point about how having an addiction in our past and overcoming it can be very empowering is also true. And that's a bit of a different angle because I don't really want to encourage anyone to experience unhealthy addictions, but also in life, if you do experience unhealthy addictions, they can often become a very inspiring turning point. So I appreciate it. I appreciate the clarity and and the focus. So thank you. Okay. So then I want to talk about things that obsessions or addictions that people think of as good before, like even talking about obsession, right? So people think pleasure, sex, work, making money these things are are good right they feel good they're good for us we help people with them but there are people who are seriously obsessed and addicted to these good things so is this still obsession and addiction if it's labeled as good like sex feels great it feels wonderful it's it's pleasurable but we can still be addicted to this yes well it sounds like you're talking about what happens when people overdose on work or overdose on sex or overdose on their partner or whatever yeah kind of well because if people aren't overdosing on work then they have an okay work-life balance okay yeah then i am i'm talking about the the obsessed yeah i'm saying if people don't overdose on sex then they have a healthy amount of sex maybe more than most people because they really love it and it's a passion but if they're not suffering harm from it or harming others with it then it's not overdose level right Okay, so then for I'm just using an example. I don't know anybody like this, but there's a, a man, we'll call him Fred, and he is married to... Can, can she be Wilma? 
Okay. So there's Fred and Wilma. Fred is obsessed with collecting rocks. He's he is obsessed with working in the what they call that place on the quarry. He's obsessed with working at the quarry, right? He wants as many rocks as possible. He makes money he, from the rocks. He's the opposite of the cartoon. When the bell rings, when the thing goes off, he stays and he's getting in overtime and he's getting more rocks than Barney and everyone else, right? But poor Wilma is at home depressed and sad and her and Pebbles are lonely and when, when Fred comes home she's ready to get it on and make another baby but Fred is like not happening he needs to sleep so he can wake up and go to the quarry again Fred will see this as a good thing a positive thing he's in helping his family he loves what he does he's obsessed with his job he just it's great but Wilma would say man this sucks my husband's never home my child doesn't know her father I don't get any sex. There's no romance. We don't have dinner together. How is this scene? How can this be a good thing if both of them have two totally different experiences with the same thing? So do you know that something can be win-win or win-lose? Yes. Okay. So when something is win-win, it's hard to call it bad. It's hard to not like it. Right. Everyone involved likes it. Yeah. Some people don't like like kinky power dynamics or master-slave relationships or whatever. But if you find two people who like it, it's win-win for them. Yeah. And they're going to be healthy for their duration of their relationship and have a long marriage or dynamic or whatever they have. It's win-win. Right. But if a kinky dom hooks up with like a vanilla independent woman or something who doesn't want that, it's going to be win-lose. One of them's going to get what they want and the other one's going to lose. Fair play, yeah. So it's fine for people to be addicted or passionate or obsessed with the thing they want but it will harm people around them if they force that on someone or if they stick around in a relationship with someone who doesn't want that right right but is it is their passion bad is their obsession bad is their addiction bad or is it just bad that they're in a relationship with someone who's not on board that's really good like two functioning alcoholics <laughs> right like yeah. if they're both yeah. you could say they're enabling each other or whatever but i'm saying if they're two village shamans both use shrooms in their diet or whatever and they're both leading the village great and haven't harmed a soul and they live a long life a married life as the village elders and they happen to have shrooms their entire lifetime what's the problem like that's win-win right right they're both on board with it. right but if you take that village elder and pair him up with an ex-addict who can't be anywhere near substances and is scared of them and hates them and doesn't want this in their life now it's win-lose right now someone has to lose in this relationship. Right. Either he has to sacrifice his passion or his partner has to put up with terrible substances around them or that they don't want or whatever. So to me, this isn't really a question about are our passions or our addictions bad? Is it bad if I like to work a lot or talk a lot or whatever? It's more like, do I have people around me who are on board with this and how I want to live? Or do I have people around me who are anti this and anti how I want to live? Okay. Because so your example described Wilma as being anti yes. rock quarry. Yes. <laughs> but what if Fred hooks up with Betty and she's pro rock quarry? Like, yeah, go spend as long as you want. I'll go join you. I'll bring the camera. Yeah. Then what's the problem? So then Michael Jordan was obsessed with basketball. That's probably going to piss off a lot of potential partners. So yeah. he should not be in relationships with them. But if he finds someone who's like, good, I like my alone time. I hope you practice more. Yeah. Then I think he found the right fit. Okay. He doesn't need to give up his passion or his obsession or his addiction or whatever you call it i call it an adaptation so technically wilma could adapt to fred's work she obsession could. 
and find ways to fulfill her her time. She could, or she could be like, I'm the kind of person who likes a lot of personal time and I'm not going to adapt to your thing. Mm-hmm. And she could go find someone else. They exist. Why are you trying to force it with someone who loves a rock quarry and doesn't spend a lot of personal time? It's weird. Right. Okay. But the third option is Fred could see that his rock quarry obsession is a little overboard. He's overdosing on it and it's harming people around him. And maybe he would like to stop harming people around him. And so he would like to pull back on the rock quarry so he can adapt to less hours. Right. Right. He can adapt. He didn't always spend his whole life at the rock quarry. There was a time when he was a teenager. He barely went there at all. Right. Yeah. He can get back to that. He can readapt. Okay. Just like you. you got back to clean living. Yeah. Sure. These are all options. This is good. Yeah. Very helpful. What about the people who are in a relationship with somebody and they notice that their partner is starting to be like Fred? Starting to OD. Starting, starting to overdose on whatever the addiction is. And it could be anything. Right? Yeah, yeah. You could be addicted Basketball. to anything. Yeah. Sure. Should they, what, what can they do? What, what what can they do in like to feel better about this situation and make it more win? Well, first they need to choose one of the three options. Okay, what are you aiming for? Are you aiming to leave the relationship because you don't want to be someone who's overdosing on this stuff, and you can see it's their passion and they're not going to give it up, so you might as well find someone who's a better fit for you, or do you want to adapt to their hobby and just have more alone time or? do whatever it takes to work around it. Right. Or do you want to reach some kind of balance or compromise or equilibrium? Do you want to change that person? Right. That's your other option is change their stupid habit. Right. Change the thing you don't like. Right. But you got to choose one of those. You either leave them, like if that works for you, or you accept who they are and their passion and you work around them and change yourself, Mm -hmm. or you try to change them. I'm not saying which option is better or who needs to do what or whatever, but you got to get real clear on this because most people don't even get clear. They like try to change them for a bit. Then they're like, oh, I should leave them. And then they're like, not sure. And then they're like, oh, I'll just put up with it. And it's like, they go back it's and insane. forth. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. No, get clear on what you want. Right. Yeah. Right. And commit to it. If you're going to change them, you might need to be in it for the long haul. If you're going to leave them, you might need to be okay being alone and finding your new person. Right. There's consequences to everything. If you're going to work around them, you might need to make some major changes in your schedule or how you behave in life. Yeah. If you're going to compromise and adapt to their hobby. I'm saying. So the first thing is to get clear on which approach you want to take. Once you're clear on what approach you want to take, then you can start moving towards it. And the first step is just to imagine what it's like with the new reality. You've got to visualize to start. Mm-hmm. It's gentle. It's easy. It doesn't harm anybody. You're in your room or in your bed, just visualizing the new situation. Right. And the more you visualize it, the more you're going to gravitate towards it. And steps will unfold and you'll find out which actions to do. And you'll have inspired ideas and you'll get an idea in the shower. But if you don't get clear on which approach you want, and then you don't take some time to imagine and visualize, you're just going to be shooting in the dark. Okay. That's good. That's really helpful. For, and not just with addiction an obsession actually that advice pretty much i think you could fit that in anything so thank you well at least any relationship thing yeah that's what i meant like any relationship actually you could probably even do it with work friends well i guess those are relationships too okay Uh, and speaking of obsession i am obsessed with you i have been obsessed with you from day one i love you and you put all of the things that helped you Get your life together in our book called Eyes I Open Volume One. And you too could be obsessed with 
all the things that Jay says and have it in your hot little hand. If you want a free copy, go to eyeswideopenfree.com. Not only will you get the free PDF of the world's first self-help copy table book, but you will also get on our newsletter and you will find out all of the crap that's, I mean, all of the stuff that is going on in our life every week. And we send out newsletters three times a week. We write them together. It's all about the things going on in our life. We have uh, we send free resources and lots of love every single week. So either go to eyeswideopenfree.com. And yes, I know I said it twice or click on the link in the description below. So in the first year we were together, I was super obsessed with you, right? I was obsessed with learning from you and talking to you. But the people around me seemed to think this was a bad thing because you're a person and I shouldn't be obsessed with a person. Why would somebody see this as a bad thing? All right, well, let's be real. How likely do you think it is that Michael Jordan or Bruce Lee or Beyonce didn't get haters for their obsessions when they were young? Oh, they probably did. They had to. Yeah, is there any chance they didn't? An aunt, an uncle, a best friend, a coworker, a boss? Yeah, they probably told me that's ridiculous. Yeah. You're not going to be able to Someone do close it. to yeah. them yeah. was hating on their obsession. Right. That's not healthy. Right. Okay. Okay. So I don't care whether you're obsessed with basketball or martial arts or singing or starting a fan club for some celebrity you like or coding a video game or starting your own craft business. I don't care. If you have an obsession, what are you going to get? Just like Bruce Lee, Michael Jordan, and Beyonce got. Hey. Yeah. You're going to get people telling you it's unhealthy. Right. Is it unhealthy? Was it unhealthy for Michael Jordan to do that or Bruce Lee to do that or Beyonce to do that? No. Were their haters right? No. So are your haters going to be right? No. no. I mean, maybe if you're obsessed with some substance that's slowly killing you and you're not adapting well to it and it's not helping your body, maybe they are right. I don't know. But what are the chances? Like you've got to figure out for yourself, are these haters right? Or is this a Michael Jordan, Beyonce situation, right? Do I want to continue my obsession because it's helping me and it's great? It's going to make me the world's best basketball player or do you want to ditch your obsession? Yeah, they're right. This is unhealthy. I'm losing everything, my health, my family. I I this is I should stop basketball. Yeah. Well, that's that's a good point because at the time, I was like 100 pounds heavier. I was on painkillers. Looked old. I, I thank you. I looked older. I felt older. I was in pain constantly. I was in a miserable marriage. I was unhappy. I had arthritis. I had rheumatoid arthritis. I had fibromyalgia. I had bipolar disorder. I had panic anxiety with six panic attacks a day at the minimum. And I was constantly upset and angry and just a very unhappy person. Look at me now, mom. And, and, and had I stopped my obsession, I would have reverted back to all those things. Instead, I have cured my rheumatoid arthritis. I've cured my fibromyalgia. I've cured my anxiety. I have cured my depression. I haven't had a manic episode in like 10 years. Like I've lost 100 pounds, 120 pounds. I am happy. I'm at peace. I'm calm. I'm better. I'm putting out positivity. I'm helping the world. I'm doing things I love. Look younger. I, I look younger. I feel younger. I can run up the stairs without wanting to die. I'm moving my body every day. I'm connecting with, with my spiritual side, with the universe. I'm learning about law of attraction. I'm manifesting well. I am just a happy, happy, happy person overall. 
And so had I listened to them in the beginning, I would be back and be that horrible, miserable person and die with massive regrets. Where now, okay, you know, I could have been a little nicer to my ex-husband when we were splitting up. I could have rubbed it in his face a little less. He wasn't trying, but I could have been a little more conservative about my expression about us, you know, and I could have, you know, included my kids a little bit more in, in what I was doing and, and, and my plans and stuff, right? So yeah, but in comparison, I wouldn't change that for anything in the world. Okay, then your obsession was fun. Right. And so you're 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 right. Like my obsession was awesome. Yeah, but only you can know. Right. Like people can't tell until years later if your obsession was worth it. The haters are like, yo, Jordan, you shouldn't play ball, man. It's unhealthy. Like they're not gonna know until 10, 20 years when he wins all the championships mm-hmm. that it was worth it. Yeah. So you just have to know for yourself. You chose to ditch your obsession with heroin, but you chose to hang on to your obsession with learning from me. Yes. Great choices. Yeah, I some agree. People, some people might make different choices. I don't know. Everyone has to decide for themselves. So people in general will just hate on anyone who has hyper-focus or extreme adaptation. Okay. Even earlier in this conversation, you were kind of hating on the people who eat metal or the, sh- the village shaman. Right. There was a little resistance. Yeah. Why? Why can't you just celebrate someone's obsession? Like, it's natural. People always hate on others with extreme focus or extreme adaptation. It's uncomfortable. Also, because of my past, to me, those things don't feel like an addiction. But you're 100% right, they are. If someone spends their life doing it and and it feels good to them and they love it. And they feel withdrawal without it. Yes. Then this is an addiction and an obsession. And you could measure their body chemistry with all those monitors and probes and you would see the exact same stuff in addiction. Yeah. Well, so then another extra question. How, how do we know? Like, how do we, how do I know when this is something, okay, everyone's telling me I should with this obsession and this addiction. Yeah, we have other episodes on how to tell. But it feels good to me. Like, you've got to get in tune with yourself, right? right? Fear and love. I think the episode on fear and love is probably it's a, a good, good one for that. Yeah. Or I think we might have one on how to make effective decisions. Yes, we do. So mm-hmm. that's another good one. Okay. But it's like, you, you know you know how it is. You've got to tune into yourself. Get that isolation. Get that peace. Get that meditation. Get that clarity. And like, figure out who you are and what you stand for and what you want in life. If you don't know if your obsession's healthy or not, that's, I mean, you got work to do. Man. Yeah, that's inner inner work. Yeah, Jordan, knew, Jordan knew the basketball was yes. for him. Beyonce knew that singing was for her. Yes. But you knew that heroin wasn't for you. Yeah. So you you got to do the work. But I knew in my soul that moving here was the thing to do. Sure. I it, knew giving all my life up for before was sh- what I needed to sure. do. Well, I'm glad you got that clarity. But you didn't get clarity on ditching heroin until like, a hospitalized overdose. Yeah. So we we reach clarity when we reach clarity, right? Fair play. Yeah. You probably could have done it sooner by applying some of those tricks I was talking about, but yeah. all right. So this is the part I told everybody to stay tuned for. Jay, how can we turn a negative addiction or obsession into a positive, loving, wonderful adaptation? Yeah, great question. And everyone secretly knows deep down how to do this. It's a natural human thing to do. Think about how the adaptation forms in the first place. How did your body adapt to heroin? Was it random? Did you just wake up one day addicted to heroin? Or did you make certain choices that led you down a path that eventually 
ended up in addiction, an extreme form of adaptation. Yeah. I made choices to do drugs on the weekend and then take more or opioids and take them more often and take more of them more often. And it, so that path led me to heroin addiction. Right. And when you got on your smoothie, salad, healthy eating, fruit, veggie diet, lean meats diet or whatever, did you just randomly start and switch? <laughs> or did you make a series of small choices that felt a bit uncomfortable and out of your comfort zone and get used to one food and get used to another food and add another one into your diet and then try a different one and experiment and eventually do it three times a week and then five times a week and now it's seven days a week thing. Like, did you baby step your way to healthy eating? Yeah, the first vegetable I ate was broccoli on pizza. Not that healthy, but it was my first baby step. Yeah, that was a gateway veggie. Yeah. It was. Broccoli on pizza was your gateway veggie. It was. Right. A baby step towards healthy eating. Right. And you also had gateway drugs to your heroin addiction, right? Yes. Baby stepping it towards the overdose. Right. Right. So what pattern are we seeing here? Did you naturally know how to adapt or re-addict yourself to different things? Yes. Yeah. So the natural, I mean, the the small baby steps to take me towards the thing I want. Right. And did you need a guide? No, not Did you need a book? No. Did you need a YouTuber? No. You just sort of knew, if I eat this broccoli, it's going to be a good move, even if I don't really like it. And next week, I might try it again. And then the next time someone offers me a salad, maybe I'll say yes to a small portion. Like, you didn't need the expertise, right? Like, humans naturally know how to baby step our way to a new life yeah i use my intuition yeah 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 but you and when you were taking drugs you knew the first one i'm not addicted instantly right but if i do this again we'll see well and now i'm doing it more often and you get this like little feeling like i think this is going to lead to a different life like but i'm going to take it anyways we know you knew we all know Yeah, yeah yeah yes so so if you get far down the road like if you get far down the road addicted to candy how do you get to that healthy eating you have to take baby steps to fix your diet and eat less candy and more healthy food. Right. And so since you're so far down the candy addiction road, how are those baby steps going to feel? Like a long journey, right? Like it's not like... Yeah, it feels far away. Right. Yeah. It feels far away. Yeah. It should feel far away. Yes. It is far away. Yes. You're way down the candy road, right? Or if, if I'm like a 20-year alcoholic... And it's like, oh, it feels so hard to get to sober living. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, of course it does. You've spent years adapting to the opposite. If if an apocalypse happens and we all go underground, you think we're all just going to instantly see in the dark? No. It's going to be a five, 10 year journey of adaptation. Yeah. And it's going to be uncomfortable. And you're going to stumble around and stub your toe and put your hand on sharp rocks and weird things are going to happen. But eventually, if you stick through it and handle the withdrawal and go past the hump and take the baby steps. Five years later, you will have moral vision, man. You'll you'll have sonar like a bat. You'll be yeah. you'll be king of the dark, yeah. queen of the dark. True. That's how it goes. Yeah. But but I don't know how to do it or how do I do it? It's like this is not it, man. This is not the way. You already know. You already know. If you want to grab a book to help you out, you know on your journey, you want to read like How I Got Clean from Alcohol or Sober Curious, the book, go ahead. If you want to read the healthy eating book, How I Ditched Candy and How I Got to a Vegan Diet or a Lean Meats Diet or Carnivore Diet, go ahead. But all they're going to tell you is the same thing. Like, 
try this trick to add one more healthy meal to your week. Add one more healthy meal to my week. That's brilliant. Yeah, baby step. I could have told you that. Like, All right. All right. So humans are adaptation machines. We adapted to the, the shitty substance or the shitty lifestyle, and we can readapt back to the original. I'm sorry. And we can readapt back to its opposite. Yeah. Might be a longer journey, though, and there might be some discomfort, and it might take effort. Well, I'm sorry. That's being alive. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Well, Rise Rebels, if you have an addiction or an obsession and you want to learn to adapt away from it or do something opposite and you want to talk about it with someone, I am happy to talk about my own journey or just support you and yours. Whatever you need, we're happy to provide. You can either talk about it in the comments or DM me or email me at sunshineonline at gmail.com. Yeah, you can do this. We believe in you. We do believe it's in you. It's 100% possible. Yes. yes, we've both adapted from different obsessions and addictions ourselves. We understand and we are here for you. So thank you so much. I really appreciate all your guidance and help in the beginning of my journey when I was lost and confused and I was taking tiny little baby steps to now also with the giant leaps and bounds that I am taking because of you. Without you, I would not have been able to change my life. Or I might have, but it would have taken me away a long time. So thank you so much. I love you. So Jay, I just have one more question. Do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to share with our amazing and wonderful audience? Yes, you will thrive the most when you free yourself from labels of addiction or obsession or whatever and Instead, learn to master adaptation. If you want to adapt to work out more, your mind and body can do that. Lots of people have done it. You can even turn it into an exercise obsession. If you want to work less, you can adapt to have more leisure time or family time, live a different lifestyle. Many people have done it. You can even turn a workaholic addiction into a healthy work-life balance. Health. If you want to set a Guinness World Record for consuming metal, you can even adapt to that. Just keep in mind, you may end up reliant on it and suffer withdrawal symptoms when you don't get metal. The point is, once you understand the miracle of the human body and the human mind and how we are adaptation machines, like Tom Bilyeu says, that can adapt to anything when we apply ourselves, that's when you truly have power, mastery, and control of your life. So get out there and design the life you want. You got this. Yay. And that's why our book and this podcast are called Eyes Wide Open. After today, you will know how to navigate obsession, addiction, and adaptation. So now, go here and watch this video called Inspiring Life Lessons from an Ex-Addict and an ex-homeless man to help you keep eyes wide open. Keep rising.